Well, I have been, of course, this weekend just challenged in God's Word as we met 20 of us, uh, 19 or 20 men. Uh, it was a phenomenal men's retreat. Uh, lots of uh, encouragement in the Word and uh, time of reflection and worship it was just fa- fantastic. Uh, we, we just enjoyed that. I just want to say publicly to Bob Boss, who kind of put the details together for the week, uh, Bobby did great, and uh, we want to continue to have some momentum in our men's ministry. We're looking at some other dates to get together, and if you weren't a part of the retreat, there are going to be opportunities here in the near future for men to get together to sharpen one another and to have a good time together and also to, uh, to not only just uh, have some fellowship, but to be in the Word. And so that's going to be very, very important. But in that, I, I knew what I was speaking about this morning and had prepared, and I, I reviewed a little after the retreat yesterday. I was waiting for Reagan to come back from, um, from youth convention. And the Lord just, uh, I'm excited for what God has for us this morning. We're going to end the service, and we'll kind of start with the end in mind, in a little different way. Um, we're going to end the service in a time of reflection, answering a few questions, uh, asking the Lord to reveal some things to us, and so I want you to be prepared to do that. Hopefully you got a bulletin, because you can use the back of your bulletin to do some writing. Um, if you didn't, um, we'll, we can help you uh, later with that. But this morning, we're going to continue our series in Genesis. And uh, we've talked about Genesis being a book of stories. And we've encouraged you to be reading Genesis. And about 25 or 26 of you have done so, read right through the book of Genesis. And I, that's about maybe a third or maybe a quarter of those that are here. And so we want to encourage the rest of you to be reading Genesis, get through it. We've got three more weeks in our series here. And uh, we want you to um, to do that. And then once you read it, you can grab a pen, sign here, and then we're going to put this up as a memorial. And we're doing this not only just to say, hey, we did something together, which is pretty cool, but it's God's Word. It's God's Word in your life. And for those that have been through it, and several of you have already reread uh, Genesis, it's God's Word speaking, relating to your life to your uh, situations right where you are. And like I said, we're not quite finished with Genesis. We've got a few more weeks. And today, we are going to look at the life of Joseph. And as we've talked about these different stories, we've tried to find ourselves in these stories. And again this morning, I'm going to encourage you to find yourself in the story of Joseph. Because this story in particular speaks to God's plan, God's purpose for your life for my life, and even for us as a church. As we round out this series in Genesis, we're going to be considering what is God doing in our midst. We're a few weeks away from our 10-year anniversary, and we'll be celebrating that together. It'll be a powerful time together. But again, God's plan, God's purpose. And then we'll be asking the question this morning, what motivates us to go after God's plan? Because, you know, we can have a a purpose, we can have a plan, but if we don't have energy to to accomplish those things, we're kind of like a 100-year-old marathoner, runner. I don't know if you know anyone that's 100 years old. Rick and Katrinka, do you guys have anyone in your 100 years old? Can you imagine someone in your, in your assisted living or whatever, 100 years old, they have it in their heart, they've got a plan to run a marathon, okay? I mean, we're talking facetiously here. They know the purpose is to finish, but they don't have the energy to do that. 
And many times, our lives, we have a plan and a purpose, but we don't have the energy. And the energy is a God-given dream. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is God's dreams for our lives. God-given dreams. And what will energize your life for the rest of your life, whether you are a young person this morning and just coming off of a, a spiritual experience uh, at youth convention, or you're here and, uh, and you're you know, in, the, in the last season of your life. Either way, what will energize your life for the rest of your life, it's a dream. It's a God-given dream. And we all need the dreams uh, that God places in our hearts. Or many of you, I believe, as I was praying and asking God for discernment, I believe there are some here this morning that have had a dream. And it's an old dream that God wants to take out of the closet, brush off, and to reestablish that dream for your life. Because you know what? God has not forgotten you maybe you've forgotten, but God is going to remind you. He's going to stir up some things inside of you and inside of me. And who's better to study when you talk about God's dreams than Joseph? Amen. And so we're going to do that. But let me just—we've uh, kind of been in Genesis a while. Let's see how you've been paying attention. Um, Let's—you know—we've been looking at different characters. And uh, let me just ask you: Who was Joseph's father? We're going to, Jacob, all right, A plus, all right, all right. Who is his great grand, or who is his grandfather? Isaac, all right, very good. You guys are passing so far. How about his great grandfather? Abraham, and anybody know who his great great grandpa was? Adam, no. <laughs> Tara. Nobody got the $100 gift certificate, Rick. We're just going to have to use it ourselves. Just kidding. There's no $100. <laughs> and so we've been looking at these different characters and lots of faults in their lives, but great men of faith overall. All those characters, by the way, found in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Faith. And, uh, and when we look at Joseph's life, and really it's Genesis 37 through 50, we understand that this is about... 2,000 years before Christ was, uh, came on the earth, so about 2,000 B.C., and we, we dive into the message of Joseph, to his story at the age of 17. He's living in Hebron, and he's got 11 brothers, one sister, and I want to just challenge you to turn in your Bible with me. We're going to look at this story, and uh, what's interesting about this story, we, we studied a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, the story of Jacob, and uh, we were able to relate to Jacob in many, many ways. Uh, Jacob struggled through life because of some of his choices. He was a deceiver, and uh, we were able to relate in many ways. Now, Joseph, on the other hand, he's a dreamer. And as we read this, it's, instead of being a deceiver, he's a dreamer. And I'll tell you, his story inspires me. And I pray that it will inspire you as well. And again, this is a story of dreams, how he, Joseph got these dreams, how he was tested, how he waited for these dreams to be accomplished, how he received them, and how he managed these dreams. And we're going to look at all those things. But let's look at Genesis 37, and uh, let's look at this story. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zippah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. 
So Jacob, or Joseph, had gone out, had met his brothers, came back with a bad report about his brothers. And you start to wonder, why did his brothers hate him? You're going to see that here in a second. Well, that's part of the reason. But number three, verse three. Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. There's another reason. He was favored, right? Because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. How many have ever heard of this, the coat of many colors, right? Yeah? Well, I studied this a little bit. It actually could have had some color in it, but more than just the colors, it was that it was probably a coat that had sleeves. And in that day, they were more, more like, uh, you know, ponchos or something with no sleeves. That's what it was a normal gift, a normal coat. But this one, the fact that it had sleeves, it was tailor-made, was an exception to that. And so Joseph w- would wear this. Now, when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. Whoa, here we go. And when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen, this dream I had, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves um, gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now he's got some guts to share that. I mean, it's like, okay, what kind of dream is that? And his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told his brothers, listen, listen to this one. He says, I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars. Hint, hint, if there was any question before where they were bowing down to me. And when he told his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you have? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept these things in mind. We see three reactions here. The first is the reaction to the dream of Joseph. And he shares it. And we're going to talk about that, that you got to be careful when you share your dreams. The second reaction comes from Jacob, his father. And it was a, it was a reaction of rebuke. And he said, uh, say, you know, what is this? Is, is your mother, are we going to bow down? But then it says that Jacob also kept these things in his heart. He remembered. And then the third reaction is, of course, his brothers. They hated him all the more. But you know what's interesting about this story? Is that even though his brothers hated him, It was his brothers that were used by God more than Jacob and even Joseph at this point to to use that. And I was just thinking, okay, in our family, Jessica, if Logan woke up and said to Reagan, you know, Reagan, I had a dream. And we were out in the fields and my my corn stalk rised up and yours bowed down. I mean, what would she say? She would react just like the brothers. If then if, she, if Logan woke up and said, Mom and Dad, there was a sun and moon and a star and they all were bowing down, we would be like, buddy, you know, are you feeling okay? Does he have a fever? <laughs> and I can't blame the brothers for the way that they responded. But you know, Joseph's dreams and the story of Joseph is really an example to us. What can we expect if we have a God-given dream in our lives? 
And what I want us to look at this morning is that if we have a God-given dream, that dream will be tested. You say, well, why is that? Well, first of all, Satan, he does not like the fact that God gives dreams to his people, and so he's going to attack it. But I also believe that God allows and even orchestrates a test to strengthen our dreams, to refine our dreams. My daughter this morning said that she was called in the mission field at 11 years old. That's a, that's a powerful thing that God, you know, God's working in her life. I was called in the ministry about Reagan's age, and, and I remember that. But God had to refine and strengthen that dream, that call in my life. And, and that's what God does. He allows us to face some tests. And Joseph faced at least three tests, and I want to look at these for a moment. The first test, and if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down, was a test of denial. He shares his story, and his brothers, his dad, they think he's crazy. They try to shut him down. They say, that is not from God. That is not true. You are not going to rule over us. And what's interesting, I ask, well, why would God have allowed that? And what does that show us is that many people do not have a dream on their own. And maybe his brothers didn't have a dream, and they didn't understand what God was doing. It's scary to have a God-given dream. I can be the first to admit to that. But there are other people, and maybe Joseph's brothers, maybe Joseph's dad, that some people do not want a God-given dream. Maybe they've been frustrated or disappointed in life. Maybe they've been hurt or they think that having a God-given dream is just too hard and they're saying, it's not for me. I don't want that. But there's certainly this test of denial. Okay, it shuts it down. The second test is a test of doubt. Not only is it not true, but in Joseph's story, as he's getting the response back from his brothers, from his, from his father even, the doubt starts to creep in. Does God really want this to happen? Is this a God-given dream? And think about Joseph and the hatred and the rebuke that happens. Would it have caused questions in his mind? I believe it would have. But the most unexpected and maybe even the worst test that, it, uh, that happens in a life of a dreamer. And I would say this, if you are, have a God-given dream, you will experience this test is the test of destruction. The trouble starts for Joseph, starting in, right after he shares this dream. Chapter 37, verses 12 through 36, we won't take the time to read it. Hopefully you, you've read it or will be reading it. But he's, his dad sends him out to his brothers again. Bad idea, because the last time he came back with a bad report. And his brothers see him coming, and they say, they're saying, let's kill that dreamer. Let's get him. Let's just end his life. He's a dreamer. He's crazy. I don't want anything to do with him. And Reuben stands up and says, well, he's trying to protect his youngest brother and says, this will crush dad. He says, let's just throw him in a, in a, in a pit. And so they throw him in a pit. Reuben goes off. His brothers talk about a dysfunctional family. You think your family has issues. This family had some issues. The brothers pull him out of the pit, sell him into slavery, and, uh, and Reuben comes back. He rips his clothes, incredible, but he's sold into slavery. Joseph, the dreamer, that was going to rise up and, and they were going to bow down to him, now sold into slavery. Can you imagine Joseph at this point? He's saying, great dream. Yeah, right. Slavery, destruction, a test. It doesn't make sense to Joseph. 
What's happening, God? And how many would agree in our lives? How many times do things just not make sense? Tests of destruction, things that come our way, and we're saying, why, God? Well, I believe God allows destruction, a uh, test of destruction to come to give us some answers, to refine, like I said, or to strengthen. What's interesting is that in that time, in those times, we see, okay, is this God's idea or is this just my own idea? And when we face the test of denial, we, it challenges our commitment, doesn't it? When we, cha- when we face the challenge of doubt, it helps us to look to God's w- word and say, okay, God, uh, it, does this line up with your word? Because I'll tell you, any God-given dream will line up with God's word in our lives. Does it pass the word test? And then the destruction is, it's all about time. Am I willing to wait for the dream? And Joseph's life is incredible. He was willing to wait. The fact is, is if you've got a God-given dream, it is going to face some tests, guarantee. And the hardest in my life that I've experienced, and certainly we see that in Joseph's life, is the waiting, waiting for the dream. From Genesis chapter 39 to Genesis chapter 46, years go by, years, where Joseph is waiting for these dreams to come true. Joseph's dreams, though, don't fade in the waiting. In fact, he doesn't forget them. Instead, right where he is, he lives his dream. And God favors Joseph First of all, as he leads out of slavery. He's in slave clothes. He's in Potiphar's house. And he's in this situation. And he continues to lead. Continues to be used by God. The second thing is he, uh, God favors Joseph as he works hard in Egypt. You say, well, what's the significance of that? Well, Egypt was not his home. Egypt is, is a, a foreign country. It's not Israel. It's not the promised land. But he works hard in a place that he knows he, that he's not intended to end up. And what's, what the word of God, I believe, for us and for many of us here, your job might be like living in Egypt, like for Joseph. It's not where God wants you, but it's where you are. Maybe your family situation is in Egypt. In many ways, it could, it, there's a parallel. And maybe your family needs to realize to work hard to be strengthened in Egypt, to be faithful where you are because the result of, of Joseph being working hard in Egypt is, was favor and success. It was part of the dream. Now the third thing is that God favored Joseph as he resisted temptation. And this is huge. It's huge in my life. It's huge in your life. When we wait for the dream, we know that it will be filled with with temptations. Satan is not going to just let us go and and let us fulfill the dreams God has for us without a fight. There are going to be frustrations and doubt and there will be time elapsed before our dreams become true. When I was heading into the ministry, um, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I was encouraged as a young pastor not to touch three things. And uh, my pastor said to me, he said, Ben, he said, Ben, don't ever touch the glory, the gold, or the girls. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I was thinking about this as we're resisting temptation. The glory represents pride. 
the pride, the glory, the, the hey, look at me, the ego. The gold, of course, represents money, the importance of being good with money, being accountable. And then, of course, the girls has to deal with sexual things and just the promiscuity in our culture. We've got to be careful not to be uh, getting caught up in these things. But look at Joseph's life, the test of temptation that flooded his life in Genesis chapter 39. Turn over um, to this. I want to look at these few verses, starting in verse number 5. It says, from the time he, put, he was put in charge of this household, he's over um, Potiphar's household at this point, and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was upon everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left Joseph in care of everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was a well-built, handsome man, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, "Come to bed with me." But he refused. He said, "Come with me or with me in charge," he told her. "My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in, my ho- in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. He had a challenge of all three of these, didn't he? The recognition, the pride that could have built up in Joseph's life. The gold, of course, he's managing all, of the, all that Potiphar had. And now, even this, this beautiful woman, I'm sure, comes and tries to lure him. But he says, no to these temptations. And we can say no to the temptations that come in our lives. What kind of temptations do we struggle with? There was a list of, of the top 10 or top nine uh, things that, that we struggle with. And some of those were things, temptation of materialism, temptation of being self-centered or allowing anger or bitterness or envy to, uh, to tempt us to control our lives. How about the temptation of gluttony? Of course, the temptation of sexual lust or maybe same-sex attraction, things that, that people struggle with. We end up saying to ourselves, well, I deserve it or I need it or just relax. It's going to be okay. No one will ever know if I succumb to these temptations. We tell a lie, maybe to ourselves, or we tell a lie to someone else. We cheat on a test or cheat on our taxes or, God forbid, we... We cheat on our wives. We try shortcuts in life. And there are temptations that we all deal with. You know, as I was studying this and just kind of getting my mind around some of these things, you know, sometimes we feel like we are all alone, don't we, in temptation? But the fact is that if you face something, a temptation in your life, someone else faces that exact same thing. You are not alone. You are not weird. You are not, um, you are not strange in that fact. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, I love what this says. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. That means that there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to temptations. Nothing was new for Joseph. He struggled with things that everyone else did. You struggle with things that that other people 
deal with as well. But I love how it continues. It says, but God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful, it says. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes. This dream, he's on his way. He's rising in in authority in Potiphar's house. And all of a sudden, this wife comes to him. He He flees. He runs. And where does it put him? right back in jail, right in prison. And I'm sure Joseph is saying, what in the world is going on? But you know what? God gives us a way out. He gives us his word and his spirit so we can overcome. We should speak the truth. We should consider the temptation and the result of, um, of going about those temptations. We need to avoid compromising situations in our lives, to use wisdom, to be accountable. And again, you're not strange. You're not weird. The things that you struggle with are common to man. And someone needed to hear that this morning. You may be here thinking, man, I'm the only one that struggles with whatever you're struggling with. And I'll just tell you, if you're struggling, there's someone else. And as we share those things, as we confess those things, we can come along each other. We can provide accountability. And God can use our stories to really um, for his glory. Amen? Amen? Amen. The fourth thing that Joseph does when he's waiting, he survives some incredible setbacks, doesn't he? And you know what? Setbacks are inevitable in all of our lives. Joseph, it seems like he's down, down, down. But you know what? It says, if you read the story from 37 to 50, how many times does it say, the Lord was with Joseph? The Lord was with Joseph. And what's great is not only was the Lord with Joseph, Joseph was with the Lord. Joseph trusted in God. He didn't give up his faith in God. And you know what? The promise for us, the takeaway for us, we were reflecting on this at the men's retreat a little bit in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, that there's nothing that will separate us from the love of God. God is there for you. And you are there for him. Nothing will separate you. And I was thinking about this. Is the, the fact is, is that you will never be in a place in your life where faithfulness is impossible. No matter what you face, you will be able to be faithful. God promises it. He will provide a way out to be faithful. And Joseph was faithful as a son. He was faithful as a slave. He was faithful in Potiphar's house. He was faithful in prison. He survived setbacks with God's help. And you know what? Your dreams, the things that God has put in your heart, he will provide a way out. He will help you in your setbacks. And so this morning, as we wrap things up, and I really mean that, Rich, (laughs) I want you to consider God's plan, God's purpose. And maybe you're here this morning and you need a God-given dream to energize you, to get you on with your plan, with God's purpose in your life. Does this relate to your family? Oh, yeah. Raising up a family in the way it should go? Oh, yeah. The dream of raising godly kids? 
seeing God work in your life, in your lives? Does this relate to you at school students and college students? Oh yeah, to, to be able to have the dream, the, the energy to make it through these tough classes, to get beyond where you are today, to, to put your feet on a solid rock. Nate, I was thinking about you and, and about your dream. You're sharing a little bit to play football. I love that. But this, this applies. God's plan, God's purpose, and it's a dream that will, that will motivate you. How about in our marriage? Those of us that are married, or maybe you're single and you have the hopes to be married or to be married again, there's the dream that will energize you to fulfill God's plan, God's purpose. Raising kids, absolutely. And you know what I was thinking? As a church, it's going to be a dream that will energize us to get to where God wants us, a plan, his purpose for us. And as we start to unfold that in the next several weeks of what God has for us, it is going to be exciting. It's the dream. You know, we have to be careful how we share that, how we communicate that. And we know that there's, there will be setbacks. We understand that we will have to wait at times. We understand that there will be a test of denial and doubt and, and that we got to, uh, and even the test of destruction along the way. But what is it that God is saying to us as a church body? Where does he want us to go? And then, are you going to be a part of that? I, my heart is that every single one of us will make it. And I believe God wants that. Joseph's story inspires me. And I pray that as you consider his story this morning, that it will inspire you as well. This morning as Melissa comes, I want to end the service in a little different way. I hope you have something that you can write down, some things. If you don't, you can st- uh, get up and there's some pens and uh, some paper on the back. Uh, you can grab a, something to write on or write in your Bible or uh, write on the back of your bulletin. But I want us to spend some time. My challenge is that we would spend 15 to 20, maybe 30 minutes. you say, wow, that's a long time. Well, it's early. It's 1130. Spend some time asking God, what is your dream for my life? God, what are you speaking to me? And my challenge first is to write down the dreams. And then we need to test those dreams with three questions. The first question is, how do I know this is God's dream? And so does it line up with God's word? Is there confirmation? Is it something that maybe God has spoke to you before and he's, he's reestablishing that dream inside of you? And so how do I know this is God's dream? Will it, will it be tested? Oh yeah. In fact, the second question I want you to answer is how has this dream been tested? How has your dream been tested? And oh, I know some of your stories. And I know where some of you are. And you may be in a testing time, a test of doubt or a test of denial or a test of destruction. You're saying, God, I can't get ahead. God, where are you? That might be where you are. But to consider, how has his dream been tested? 
And then the third thing, how long are you willing to wait for God's dream? Because boy, for Joseph, it was years and years and years. For David, he was anointed king, and it was 15 years later before he was king of Israel. There's a lot of testing, a lot of destruction, a lot of things happened in David's life. There are lots of examples of waiting. And I want to challenge students here this morning, young adults, single adults, the seniors here, families, to consider these things, to reflect. Say, how do I know this is God's dream? How has the dream been tested? How long am I willing to wait? And let God speak to us this morning. Before I release you to do that, I want us to consider our lives this morning and where we are with the Lord. It's very possible, like some of our students this weekend, that maybe you're going through life and you need to reestablish or establish a relationship with Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you, you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, I'm just wondering if you'd have the boldness just to raise your hand and say, yep, that's me. Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. Is there anyone here at all that's saying, yep, that's me. I'm away from God. I need Jesus in my life. Anyone at all that the Lord is drawing this morning here at the Gateway Church? Anyone at all? Saying, yep, that's me. I'm away from the Lord. Just give you a second to respond. Anyone at all? Okay. Then this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask that no one move for the next several minutes. I'm going to ask that these side doors remain closed. If you have to leave, please exit quietly out of these back doors. And we're just going to take some time to reflect on what God may be saying. And I believe that God's going to reveal some dreams. And I want you to write those things down. And then I want you to look at these questions say, how do I know if this is God's dream or not? Grapple with that. It's fun. Second thing, has this dream been tested or will it be tested? And how long am I willing to wait? Could we reflect in our own lives? Amen? You may want to slip away from where you are, come on the altar, that's fine. But I'm going to ask that this be a place that is reverent, that this there will be no talking. And if you do need to leave, we understand Please exit. Let's keep these side doors shut. And let's spend some time with our Father, letting Him speak to our hearts. Amen.
share two dreams of mine, and you may have similar dreams. And then there's some dreams that I wouldn't dare share in this setting, okay? They're more personal. But one dream that's the first one that I wrote down is I have a dream to have a successful, godly marriage. And uh, that is no small thing. I know it takes a lot of work. The other one that I mentioned, even in my message, is that I wanted, I want to raise godly children that love the Lord. And I know that's the heart of any parent. But I wanted to make sure I wrote those down first, saying, God, and then I'd look at that, and I'd, okay, do I know this is God's dream? Well, absolutely. It's, it's you know, found in God's word. Has it been tested? Oh, yeah. And will it be tested? No question. How long am I willing to wait? As long as it takes, right? And I just want to challenge us that as we consider these things that are close to our hearts, that it is a process and that God wants to move and He wants to work in our lives. And just to help maybe each other out, maybe you're saying, okay, I don't have a dream, right? I struggle in this area. I say, God, what do you want from me? I'm just wondering if there's anyone this morning that would be willing to maybe share a glimpse into your life of something that God has put on your heart for your life. Uh, anybody at all? Maybe a student or a young adult or someone older? Sharon? Yeah? Sharon Ponce. Tim and I had talked about we had lost a child to crypta 21 years ago and um, it was a few years after that we had always talked about how much we love children and how we'd like to be foster parents and then a few years after that we got our son and daughter and things just keep happening that seem like God how could this ever come to pass but it never leaves us you know we always and that's what we were talking about. It's, it's like the only dream that we've really had. And, um, and I told him, I said, he retires in five years, and he keeps getting hurt, and we, we've lost a lot of things financially. But um, we just love children, and I know that God, that's what God wants for us. Amen. As long as it takes. I love it. Amen. Let that be. Amen, church. Let their heart for children continue to grow. Provision. It's awesome. Awesome. Who else would share before we close? Anybody else? Yeah. God has laid on my heart that he wants me to get out of my comfort zone and try new and different things. And I said I'd be willing to wait as long as it takes. Awesome. We believe that God has a plan for you. I know that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Michelle. Many things have changed. <clears throat> now I'm just at a place of waiting and walking out 
and walking forward until the doors open where the path that I am to walk gets straight so I can see it clearer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Oh, I almost hit you. Let me see you John, want to just talk nice and louder? Want me to come back? Well, it. His desire for them was to worship him. And I have two desires. That's to belong to a body, a local body that worships God with all of their hearts and all their actions. Another desire I have is to see the body of Christ truly become disciples of his, to mature to know who they are in Christ, to know what they have in Christ. You know, the days ahead are going to be difficult. They're going to be dark. They're going to be challenging. And only as we seek the Lord, I believe, will we, be, we really be able to be witnesses through our lives of his provision, of his protection, of his guidance, and it's going to take a closeness, a close walk. We talked yesterday in the men's thing about setting your face towards God. You know, Jesus Christ, when he went to Jerusalem, says he set his face as flint towards what he was facing, the cross. And I believe that we need each to do that, to, to grasp a hold of that vision. In the, in the coming days, people, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because if he didn't give you something, if you weren't still and quiet before him this morning, he'll speak to your heart over the next few days. Be sensitive. Have that paper and pencil ready to write down what the Holy Spirit leads you to and then grasp a hold of that. Draw it to your heart ponder on it and say, Father, use me. I want to be a kingdom builder for you. As Jesus said, and as we should say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants to use every one of his children as a witness for him. Anyone else? Okay. I want you to stand where you are, and I want us to take the hand of the person next to us and uh, make some uh, aisle connections. That'd be good. Make sure you got someone in your hand, and uh, let's pray. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise your name. Just pray for the person on your right first, okay? Lord, we praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus.
And now pray for the person on your left or on the other side of the church, okay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you are the dream giver. You are the one that gives big dreams, God. God-sized dreams. Dreams like you gave Joseph. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, God. Challenge us to think beyond even our current situation. Lord, to, to be strengthened by your word in our lives. And Lord, to go forth, Lord, believing, believing in you. Lord, we surrender to you. Lord, we know there will be tests. There will be trials. Lord, we understand that. There will be setbacks. There will be, there'll be times of discouragement. But Lord, we fix our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, we say together that we will wait. Lord, we will, we will be patient no matter what happens, to see these dreams become reality. Lord, we thank you, Lord. And Lord, so I pray as we would leave here today, Lord, that you would go before us, behind us, and around us. Seal these moments in our heart. And as John said, Lord, even over the next several days, God, help us to be ready to listen, to record what you are saying. And we'll give you all the praise, all the glory, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, amen and amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. God, go with you. And we love you very much. And we'll see some of you guys tonight for small group. Yeah.